Welcome to the Event Room, where event professionals from different backgrounds talk about the latest, most controversial, and interesting topics dominating the minds of the industry right now. This is a candid conversation, the likes of which can only otherwise be found late at night in host hotel lobby bars during industry conferences. So relax and drop in on what event pros really say when no one else is around. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event AV company that tells you how it really is. Now, let's brew something up. Hello, hello. Welcome to Event Brew. We have the brew crew here. This is Tui with PRA Business Events. Hello, hello. This is Dustin with One West Events. This is Nick Borelli from Borelli Strategies. And Will Kern from Endless Events. So I'm so excited to talk to you about this topic with you guys, mainly because it was my idea, but it's something in our industry that we it's taboo to talk about. And so I figured this is the perfect conversation to have with you three, because we love going back to the last episode on controversial speakers. This is definitely a risky topic of choice. And we are going to be talking about that money, money, money. But before we do that, let's talk about what we're drinking. So, Nick, what are you what what are you drinking? <laughs> I'll tell you what I've been drinking all week um, is uh, again I I have no uh, problem with being super embarrassing. Uh, Mountain Dew has just created Mountain Dew Zero, and that will eventually be on my tombstone as uh, what kills does, me because I'll be like, not well, have no caffeine too. It has no real things in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of things we cannot pronounce, Dew. <laughs> which which had probably well, one, you know. Uh, well, because there's like sugar-free Mountain Dew, so it's Coke, so it means zero, meaning it doesn't have caffeine or sugar, so it just tastes like Mountain Dew. No, it has caffeine, or or why bother? Um, it, uh, it it has uh, was it zero calories, um, zero sugar, so it's like some kind of like you know sci-fi sugar, plastic inside of you. Yeah, yeah. So, but it, you know. Anything I can do to justify a purchase? It's a. I think it's a step up from from uh, from Monster. What's that step look like? A step up or? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a stumble. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a horizontal move if I've ever heard one. But but okay. Hey, I want to make you guys look good, so this is how I do it. (laughs) All right. Any other bros, Mountain Dew bros, in here? Dustin, what are you drinking? I would never in a million years drink that ever um i have i finished my first coffee for the day oh my god nick you're killing me um i have finished my first coffee for the day so i've moved on to the soda stream water with the wonderful beautiful canadian water that i get to drink up here it doesn't start on fire or give you cancer so i'm feeling pretty good about my decision Hmm. i don't know if dustin you can really talk on your high horse because you drink Michelob ultra yeah, so. that's okay. It's because it's ninety calories per can. So, <laughs> Not, except for once in America, it's like twice yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I did notice that that was a very large can that I was drinking, and uh, I don't know that the calorie count's still the same. But uh, listen, I'm not young anymore. You got to watch that calorie count. This is very true. This is very true. Well, I'm I'm, I'm counting my calories by uh, I'm still drinking that white coconut cream tea that you guys were making so hard from, fun from last, last episode time. yeah but tr- i'm trust me i'm gonna so next next time uh to you when you come into phoenix i'm gonna show you that my tea collection you can try all of them and this tea is just like incredible it's fantastic so 
And then you guys can stop talking shit about me. Mm, that's <laughs> I have so many things to say, but I'm just gonna <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna say anything. Uh, and I'm drinking <laughs> a organic green tea, uh, David's tea loose leaf. It's called Detox. So there's a lot of organic, natural items, the opposite of what Nick's drinking: ginger, lemongrass, juniper berries, <gasps> all that. Any acetates? No, it's all words I can actually pronounce. And so <laughs> No Panax. Is is David's tea American or I thought it was Canadian. Oh, oh it is. It's um Eco Cert Canada. Certified there you go. By. It's Ooh, a Canadian there we tea. Go. Yes, Dustin. Canada for the win. Some, I have to put some maple syrup in it to make it Canadian. That's the only time <laughs> I, you're gonna get Canadian content on this talk because all of our reference points are us so um to my canadian friends you're going to have to get out your calculators and do a lot of conversion throughout this conversation it's it's brew at 85 degrees celsius which is 185 degrees fahrenheit we don't do stones (laughs) (laughs) all right i wish we did that's my favorite that's my favorite it's like, oh, that guy's got to lose three stone. I love that word. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. <laughs> I, I have no I, idea what it means practically, but boy, does it sound cool. I don't want to look it up. I just want to keep it as like, I just want it to be a mystery and and something funny to say to people. And for everyone who is listening as Canadian right now, the Canadian uh, dollar is trading at 31%. Don't say it. Percent. Oh, 31%. 31%. Higher than so uh, I will say whoa. if you're looking to book a destination for your next conference, come to Canada because you <laughs> this get, is not an ad. <laughs> you get thirty one percent off. So if you're looking basically to lose your entire fee, you just come on over to Canada. We'll take good care of you. Whoa. The Calgary CVB the checks in the mail, they said. Well talking so about the exchange you, rate. You guys, that four, <laughs> that fourteen dollar beer, that fourteen dollar beer at the hockey game was what would that be in Canadian? That was a like basically a twenty dollar beer. So yes, is that it something works. that an, an event professional based on their you know their salary that they're making these days could could afford? Sorry, I'm Ooh, yeah, an eighteen dollar oh, beer. Well, that's a great uh, segue. Let's let's uh, let's let's talk about let's talk, let's talk about, about how many how many beers per hour we can make in this industry. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> it's a good it's a good metric. So this so whole this whole topic started because event uh, MB put out an article on January third of this year. Uh, event planner salaries in twenty twenty. How do you stack up? And this is a conversation I feel like. I'm ha- I'm personally having more, or professionally having more, whether it's my mentees asking, okay, well, I'm going into the new year and we're doing these assessments. I don't even know how much the rest of our, you know, the, the, whether it's the title or within the company, how much they're making. And I feel like it's such a hush-hush topic to discuss because, which is so it's like so not progressive because in other industries such as advertising everyone is talking about it and so we wanted to to share our our thoughts on that um i know there's you three are all business owners and so how are you do you guys get to read the article how do you guys stack um just going over just fun little quick facts let me see if I can find it. It is, it compares what I think it was like the UK compared to mm-hmm. the US, the US, New York City, London and versus New York City. Why can't I? And what were the, the salary? 
Yeah, so they're saying that the average event planner salary in New York City is $75,659, and the average planner made in London is $28,700. There's definitely a missing period in that stat in there, but basically um, uh, £28,000. I'm sorry about that. Um, So, yeah, yeah. So overall, um, so there was what a extreme markets to use as examples, by the way, but yeah, well, it's, it's interesting to me too. I, when I first saw that stat on there, I immediately thought to the fact that also like in the AV industry, the AV industry costs are way lower in the UK than they are in the States. Like I have plant clients all the time who are like, I'm coming from London. Like, so, you know, and you can listen to podcasts where, we, where we're on like Adam's podcast and they'll be like, yeah. So how much do you think, uh, you know, a normal general session with this, this and this and this would cost. And they're like, oh, you know, maybe like. 10,000 pounds and we're like uh wow actually that's more like 40,000 pounds in the US like so I think there's also just a general seems like mm-hmm. things are less expensive and that's just based on my gut feeling I've seen for that as well so maybe we focus more on the US base since that's where generally we kind of are I don't know what do you guys think I wish yeah, they had so a Canadian the, data I did a I did a quick conversion for you here and um, 28,000 pounds converts to 36,000 US dollars. So it's about um, just about yeah. half of what what a uh, an event planner in New York makes double what an event planner in London makes on average. Just And the head. cost of living, I can't, I'm like blown away. So 66,000 in New York, that's a decrease of 12.8% from last year. And then the 33 like the 34,000 pounds in London that's an increase they increased their salary of 18.11%. The cost of living in, in those two destinations I'm like how how are you living on that salary compared to the cost yeah. of living cuz I li- used to live in New York that is insane. I was like I feel like I was making more as a like cheerleading coach than One piece of- than an event professional. <laughs> One piece of data I think that's missing on here, though, is also like how do planners feel like they are uh, able to live on their current salary too? Like I feel like that qual- qualitative data needs to be on here because, for example, like um, I think it's important to know that you know these different markets and things like that. Do planners feel like they're being compensated enough? And maybe that's some question we can pose to our audience: is like you know tweet us, uh, Instagram us, hashtag EventBrew, email us EventBrew at Hello Endless. Let us know like do you feel like your compensation is matching what you're doing these days as well? So. When I speak to like event professionals and I, I make a joke to the, the degree that I think all of us could make more money doing something else, I always for years get a bunch of, yep, for sure. And I'm like, oh, okay, so it's it's not for the money. You know, like it, this isn't mm-hmm. this isn't like people are like, I don't have any interest in teeth or spending my whole life looking in people's mouths, but it pays well. And that's what every dentist probably thinks. And I don't think that we're on the other side of that, right? Where we're just like, well, there's zero barrier to get in. And, you know, like we can just kind of like create this uh, lifestyle or, or like work that is creative and has all these other, you know, uh, you know, impacts and et cetera. But it, it definitely isn't the highest paying gig that you could take on. So, Nick, mm-hmm. I was this I had the same mindset in my like 20s that I would always follow my passion and the money will come. And now that I'm in my thirties and maybe it's the new decade vibes, but money is still at the end of the day, like pays for the bills. And I remember when I joined the LA office, when we were negotiating salaries, the first thing I said is, I just want to be able to go to Sunday brunch and get avocado, avocado, avocado toast without having to to like second guess it. 
you know, like a like, millennial stereotype. Like yeah. that was you. You told them you're like I just wanted to. Yeah, they got to laugh. Eat Tide pods and. <laughs> Yeah. I need to buy those Tide Pods. <laughs> That's not millennials, you jackass. That's that's the younger. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I didn't eat Tide Pods. I was you old enough eat... to know the difference. Well, that's good. Good for you. <laughs> I just licked my shoe. So oh, yeah. and it's Frogs. like, do we do do? I feel like so much, and not get compensated as much as mm-hmm. I feel like we the, deserve. The we thing... do a lot of work. The thing that I hear the most is the amount of hours that we put in. So I think a lot of us in this industry get paid a fair a fair salary, and you know even when we look on the stats that uh, Event MB provided, it's when you look at the amount of time that most event professionals are putting in, and you start dividing that up. That is where you you know these these. You know, you'll hear you'll hear wage stats and somebody's like, oh, God, I wish I made that much. And it's it's not that they don't make a fair salary. It's that they work 20 hours a day and they're working 60 hour work weeks. And and that is, I think, in a lot of cases where the imbalance comes from. And um, um, this this role for for a lot of people in the industry is uh, is is a lot of office time, a lot of on site time, a lot of travel time, a lot of time away from their families. And and the question is. Does this industry compensate fairly for what is being asked of people that are in it? And when you say, when you say, okay, we're going to base our salaries on this industry or this role, or you know the 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 tasks that an event professional are doing are aligned with this industry, it's but is the workload is the the what's required of you balanced? And and I think in a lot of cases it is it isn't balanced. And and of course there's exceptions to all this. And you know Nick doesn't Nick doesn't work sixty hour work weeks, but he's he's in a different part of this industry. And and I think this this survey that we're looking at is probably talking about a uh, a typical event um manager coordinator planner that is executing planning and executing events mm-hmm. and yeah, actually I, they, they go into the title but go ahead nick some of the math on the hour hourly um uh pay was was part of the genesis of me trying to figure out what i wanted to do in this industry a number of years ago when i was just deciding that i needed to do something different but you know, stay within what I know and love, but just find a way within it that I could exist the way I want to exist. And uh, I, I was doing, you know, again, like comparatively with my peers, salary-wise, um, when I was getting a salary, um, competitive, you know, to others. Um, but I, when I would tell them that I was like working at, you know, like two or three in the morning every Saturday. They just looked at me like, what an idiot. What you know, a crazy like, motherfucker. Well, they just looked at me like I was dumb because they're like, well, you know, so you're not like you're 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 like a 50, you know, 20 percent less than what I get paid. And that's that's pretty terrible. And then also the sustainability of it just wasn't there. And I was always in a bad, you know, bad place and whatever. So for me, I needed to get out of that. But I will say doing the math on the hours was something that I, I, I kept in front of me and knew very well then. Um and really was was the main reason why I decided that I needed to figure out a way to uh, contribute to the industry in a way that doesn't have me saying the words load in or load out anymore. <laughs> and I did. I mean, like I, I worked a seven day work week for a decade. Um, and to the, I've said this a bunch of times, but like uh, we we were building this venue that that was also an office for the, the main the place that I was working at the time. And I had clothes there, towel, soap, shampoo. 
you know, I slept on that couch. Um, like it, you know, we were like, you know, building a new place. So bootstrappy and all those things that, you know, you hear when you're building something and then, you know, it kind of makes sense when you own it. Right. Cause then eventually there's a, there's a, a you know, something out, you get outside of it, but when you don't own it, you're just doing it because you can learn a lot or whatever it is. And I, I did learn a ton. It was a growth accelerator. And I think that this, this industry does afford you the opportunity if you look at like some of these stats as far as like you know coordinator you know years of experience one to three you know uh, mm-hmm. manager three years that's not a lot of time that's nothing so i think that like this industry does provide you a lot of opportunities to like have a living that is fulfilling in a lot of ways besides money that sucks and if you're smart you do it all with a purpose, you do it strategically, and you figure out what your escape plan is if you need it in order to build on that and not just settle with that. And I think that like, because it's such a wild west and because it's so low barrier, I think that if you're the kind of person that expects just to be taken care of and to be able to you know, work to live, um, then this might not be, you know, this will break you eventually. But if you, if you're someone who can think strategically about, okay, it, it's, this is going to be painful, but it's going to be pain with a purpose. I think you, you're a great place to be able to grow fast. I think you bring up a good point about the idea of like long hours and maybe this is a full topic in itself, but I'm curious to know, I think we all work either for an amazing event company or we work for ourselves. So it's, we're a little bit of a loophole, but, um, do you guys know a lot of people who do get paid overtime yes. as event planners? Oh, yep. planners. As planners, planners yeah. Like, Suppliers for sure, but um, planners, yeah. Okay. I was thinking it was the I, – I, I mean, like, I don't know if every single corporation is tracking how much overtime some of these planners do because if they did, they would – I think it would be totally different. I just hear about all the times where planners are like, oh my God, it's so crazy. I had to stay up so late. And I'm like, well, if you're getting paid overtime, you should be getting paid like double time then on top of that. Mm-hmm. And you're usually just like, I know this is going to be intense for a week and it's going to be fine. But I don't know. I'm curious to know, like that. that's one data I think is missing from this too, is how much of their pay is overtime. Because I think the events industry also skips out on a lot of really like things that like they, they, they skim by on a lot of like, slightly illegal labor practices i think and i feel like if they followed overtime to a t where it's like within a day is a certain amount of hour is is an overtime if within a week it's a certain amount of overtime and then you know all those things like that i think that a lot of companies just feel like skimp out on that and find loopholes like oh the planners you know this and this and that so we don't have to pay them overtime Actually, so maybe as a as a business owner, maybe I'll 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 just chime in with how how we work. So I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this by telling everybody that's listening, you need to check with your state or province rules, and um and the the rules vary from place to place. So please do not hear something on this and think that this is the way you can run your business and then blame us when you're in trouble with the uh, <laughs> the employment standards people. So. In, in Alberta, in Canada, um, salaried employees can be exempt from overtime rules. So if you are a salaried employee, you um, you you don't necess- you're, you don't have to follow the same overtime structure and our company adheres to that. So in in our company, if you are a salaried employee, you do not qualify for overtime. You're considered self-scheduling because of the nature of our business. So the expectation within our business is that you manage your time accordingly. You can you can track your hours 
you can track your overtime hours, but they're not owed to you. And you have to manage your schedule, your high season, your low season to make sure that it balances out. Um, we offer more downtime during the holidays. So we, um, we close... We close our offices to create extra long weekends. We do a big closure around Christmas, which is above and beyond what we have to do to compensate for that. But as a business, it allows us to have more consistent control over the high and low seasons. And sometimes it works out great for you. And sometimes you, sometimes we owe you and sometimes you owe us. But we also pair that with a lot of other benefits and um, year-end bonuses and um, education fund and the, the countless opportunities that we give our employees. So I believe, and I mean, I sitting at the top of the top of the dog pile who who knows but but i believe that that works for our team and that that nobody's sitting there going oh my god they owe me 10 hours because we create a culture where you you can self-manage no one is looking at the clock at nine o'clock wondering where you are and the expectation is is that the work gets done and we keep an eye on everybody's individual work levels and make sure that nobody is completely drowning and we we give everybody the opportunity to pull in resources to, to, to get things done. And, and that works for us. So, yes, we, we fall into that category of people that don't pay overtime. Now, if you're not a salaried employee and you're an hourly employee, then you get overtime exactly as the law states. And um, that is more the, the operational end of our um, – the more of the supplier end of our business. So That's there's ways, ways to do yeah. it. And I love that you say that because compensation doesn't have to be via money. And this is a great example. Today, I'm on CTO because I've worked late every single day last week uh, on a big project. And so CTO is like PTO, but it's what comp- compensatory time off or something. Um, and so that helps with the balance of one, like not burning out in this industry and two, being able to say, okay, well, it's a time for me like to then relax to turn off my brain for a little bit because I've put in those hours and being able to control and I'm, I'm on a salary. And that's the one thing that I do like look at the company that you're a part of as well, because in, in the culture, my director is always saying, OK, well, make sure you you take time off, then take a CTO day or you are in the office until two thirty, like take two or, or whatever. And that's that's really nice. Make sure you have a, a company that looks out for you. But then I will say, look out for yourself as well, because if you are drowning in those projects, if you are brain dead, if you are like you need to take that, you need to take your put yourself first, because not saying that certain companies don't care, but they're not going to know or you need to lay those boundaries down. And that's something that that's been great. Like I was the one that requested that CTO today because I'm off to to Mammoth for the weekend for the long weekend, but it's, it's needed. And so compensating can mean different things too. Mm -hmm. And same thing. If your salary isn't, if you're like, Oh, okay, my salary's okay. Negotiate and say, okay, well I get, I get motivated by going to conferences. That's a motive, you know, like, do you help healthcare? Do you have dental care? There's other ways that your company can provide um, based on like how you like it. I get additional time off. I have more time off so I can go on longer vacations because of being representing the company for, for, you know, the five and a half years that I've been here. I think that right when you start a job, you have an opportunity to set the tone um, and I think that you have opportunities throughout your, your time, but I, I think that you should pick them, you know, strategically and smart and not do them too frequently. Um, like I, the last two jobs I had, I negotiated to go from, 
um, a five day work uh, work week to the, the the second to last job I had, which was a four day work week to the last job I had, which I went in three days a week. And the person that had my job before that worked five days a week. I said, keep the same KPIs. I'll, I'll hit those. Um, doesn't really matter. Um, I have a, you know, a, a business where I, I have a bunch of, you know, clients that I've had for a while that I've been able to uh, grow and I'm, I'm transparently looking to stay in this position for two years and I'll build out, um, you know, how to replace me and, and build out the tools to do that. But I think that that kind of frank discussion with business owners of where your growth is going, as opposed to just like a bunch of people like playing a game, um, mm-hmm. you'll find that is very refreshing and you're like, look, what do you care about? Like, what, what is what is this position to you? Is it about the KPIs? Is it about hitting your goals? Every business owner more, more than likely is going to go, yeah, they don't care how often you keep a seat warm. Um, they care about results. And I think that you have the position to not, you know, if you have the confidence to, to look, you know, in the negotiating phase to say, whatever you want, you know, like I, I will do half of this job and then the other half I will, you know, work with a person that makes half of the money because I want more time, whatever it is, but don't take the structure that exists prior to you as a given, uh, build your own sustainable job. And if you, you know, if you have the confidence and the abilities to, to back it up, um, you'll, you'll find that y- there's probably an, a lane for you that you can create. We work, I work with a lot of corporations that have really shifted their HR and hiring practices and created a more a la carte, like a a menu of things that you can choose from that will help fit your lifestyle. So when you get hired, they work with you to say, what, what is going to make you a happy, productive employee here? Does that mean that you don't work on Fridays or you work from home on this day or you start at 10, not at nine, because you got to drop your kids off at school on the other side of the city? Like, like, and I think that sort of openness that businesses are having to make sure that, that, the, the work structure fits their life is is really really smart and it is coming from a a need to um, meet the millennial mindset and to to create a, a fulfilling and happy place that isn't disrupting people's personal lives and you you have to believe that that is creating um, a better relationship between an employee and an employer and creating longer longer tenure when people are in a position that that actually molds around their life instead of their life molding around their job like i I had a guy who worked in the shop when i was in an entertainment company and he was really mad that you know he was perceiving all these salespeople to be making you know so much more money than him and he was you know and he was a couple years into the industry at all you know on the ground floor and he was just the perception he had of the sales force specifically of them having better cars and coming in when they wanted quote unquote and all this like freedom that he saw and benefits as as unfair you know and i said well uh how long would it take me to to train somebody to do what you do like, think about it, like all the tasks that you have, how long would it train? And, and be honest. And he's like, I don't know, like a month or two. And I'm like, okay, so that's the investment we have in you as a cog. These people have, you know, a, a, a lifetime of, um, you know, skills that they've gained in other areas. And they have a proven track record to to have a straight line between their actions and direct revenue to the company. So whatever they want is justified. They can make whatever they want as long as they make this much. You don't directly impact revenue so you can't really negotiate that kind of term so my challenge to him was find a way to do that you know if if there are people in this building that can train you 
in ways that give you new skill sets. Take advantage of the time and the opportunity you have. But but really, the only way to separate yourself is to create unique skill sets that are in demand, and then you can set your price. And I think that that's the problem with a lot of like people in the quote unquote event coordinator role. Like they're order takers, you know, like they're they're checkbox people, right? So like you know, a skill set that says like is good at um, you know, following through with things or is, is, you know, organized is not a really amazing skill set. You know, it, it's not, it's not next level, you know, like some people just have it at like at in the eighth grade and they're just organized. Right. And like that's, you can't stop there. And if you're not satisfied with where you're at, I know this is like a little like, you know, libertarian right leaning by saying this, but like, um, you know, find a way to make yourself valuable Mm -hmm. Or get creative, you know, and find a way to say, look, I will, I will, this is what business owners have that you don't have is risk. So find a way to do something that has an element of risk. And if all you have to risk is your time, so be it. But say, I'm willing to risk this amount of my time in order to gain this skill set. If I do that, you know, or if I find business for you, whatever, can I have this piece of it? Those kind of things, like, again, especially in the in the small business world that is predominant in the events industry where it's so many small businesses, you'll find that people will play ball. You know, in a large mm -hmm. organization, um, sometimes it takes, like, going away and coming back and things like that. I've seen that happen quite a bit where you, you take it, you know, you take one experience you had and then you, you say, look, I had this other experience here and I want to apply something else here. Give me a year to do it. Um, but I think that, like, risk taking is the element where people with with you know that make the big money have an element of risk and if you don't have any risk then you get what you get mm -hmm. yeah you made a good mm -hmm. you you made a reference to to non-revenue generating employees and what the difference is in the way they are compensated and the way that they're they're treated and i do think that that where you sit on the scale is is probably in a lot of cases, if you're a non-revenue generator, so if you're a coordinator or you're working operations, you are probably, there's less of a light shone on you as far as your value within a corporation. And those are the people that can, that get turned and burned a little bit more. The, the best benefits are going to the people that are either generating revenue or servicing that revenue from a, from a, an account management where if they left, it could be detrimental to the, 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 the revenue or the success of the business. And, 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 and I think what you're saying, Nick, is really important where if you're not in one of those coveted positions, then you got to do something to stand out and something to um, make sure that you're becoming a real asset to that business. Just some other skill on top of your skill. Sometimes that's all right. it takes. Like mm -hmm. we had a guy that literally was like a, a shop guy, but like he spent, you know, a little bit of his time afterwards and picked the brains of people and then got, you know, some mentorship in, in learning how to do a lighting rig. And all of a sudden he was like this kind of like cross trained person. Well, when it turns out when, you know, when, when people uh, need someone at, at a job at the last minute, you know, which pays at a higher wage, um, this guy was in the shop and he's like, I know how to do that now. So like mm -hmm. he became a little bit more valuable and there's, there's lots of different opportunities to do that. But I'm saying in the event industry as a whole, one of the worst parts of the event industry is that it is not a well-defined industry. There's low barriers of entry. One of the best parts of the events industry is the same thing. Right. So like take advantage of, of this, you know, like opportunity. I, I know that, again, it's not for everybody, but I think that like if you have you don't just like we talked about, 
you don't have to be, you know, you can apply strategy or strategic thinking to non-strategic jobs. I think you can apply entrepreneurship to non-entrepreneur jobs and, and still take that same idea of risk, of growth, of education um, and not being satisfied with where you're at and climb. Because, like, again, if somebody could have your job and in the averages is that they've only been in it for one to three years and you're in it for six or seven, like, just imagine you're not, you know, you've plateaued three years ago. Like that's, you have to be a something different. You can't just be the, you know, you can't be apples to apples with somebody who has a third or I'm sorry, half of the experience you do because like, you, and, and expect double pay. Mm, that's a good point, Nick. And talking about uh, actually when we talked about the event forum that, that came out, the report, What's mo most valuable to a business is that strategy thinking. It's like creating that plan and everything. And then, Dustin, you just said a perfect example why people burn out in that in that like dip right uh, there. And there was a what is it? An article. And actually, I'll be so transparent and vulnerable right now. Negotiating salary was something that I was so not. I don't want to say bad at, but I was. It's like definitely a weakness of mine. Until as of recently, where I was saying, okay, well, I'm not even doing this for me anymore. I'm doing it for like the women in this industry, for everyone else that's coming up after to make sure that they're they're paid fairly and they're pay, you know because it's in certain roles it's it's a lot. And there was an article that came out in the New York Times on what January 9th. And it was, I'll share my salary information if you share yours. And it talked about how the modern women nowadays is talking about money and we're being more transparent about it. And that to me, I love that article because it was really eye-opening to say, well, I was possibly bad at negotiating salary because I didn't do my research and I wasn't talking to other females because there was this sense or actually anyone in, well, a lot of the, the roles, like I actually don't, I think I know maybe like one or two males that have the same title as mine, a senior experience designer with PRA. But yeah, having those conversations, I think it's, is necessary and it's a little scary because we don't do that. Um, and I know, well, you put a bunch of things in the, the notes, so yeah i think there's definitely gonna be a lot of follow-up episodes on this for <laughs> sure um like i i think we're gonna do a spin-off on overtime alone because i think we can talk about that all day long what that looks like um so yeah there's definitely a ton of topics i think we can keep going and then yeah one of the things you put on there one of that things that's on is in that same event mb article is they talk about the 15 truths why you're not earning an event planner salary that you want um, and oh my gosh, I feel like we can turn that into its own episode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. Oh, going back to Nick's point, I will always say when I'm, when I'm interviewing and, and things of that nature, I could teach you the job. Like I can teach you how to do a contract. I can teach you how to do, you know, RFPs, be like going into all, all that stuff. But same thing, like anyone can really do my, my job now, but you can't replace Tui. And I think that's the thing, too, that's really important is like when you're doing you want to not only do your job and do it well, but exceed those expectations. Nick, what you were saying, going above and beyond trying to figure out how to add value to that that company, you know, like the other associations being involved in the community, getting your certifications, like all that stuff adds to negotiating your salary. Right. Like, yeah, I came into a job where I was like, all right, I'm the. 
uh, I, I'm the president of the local uh, association chapter. You know, I have these contacts. I know this many. Like, I, I laid all of the things I have out there just so they know that I wasn't that job. You were getting me, which is a different animal. Mm, so we're going to yes. talk about it differently. So I think that all your intangibles and all the things that got you there and your your viewpoint on things because you of the of the totality of experience you have, like, that is a way to stand out. Um, but again, I also believe that like you, you should be strategic in, in how you uh, play where you're going to go and what your next move is. I mean, I, I've known quite a few people in the events industry because, again, it's pretty small and it, it's manageable who have gone as employees to their employer and said, I, you know, I eventually want to do this. And I know a couple of them who have had stake in the, their employees' future businesses and become partners with mm-hmm. them. That, I think, I mean, Dustin, I'm sure that resonates with you very mm-hmm. well. Um, th- these are things that you can do, you know, but I think that you have to do the investment. You have to do the time. You know, you have to show that, you you know, you've you're, the metal that you have. But you, you would eventually be able to be able to prove to someone with, you know, liquidity that you're somebody to invest in. By the work that you're doing, so not only are you putting in a ton of work, but you're you're investing in a potential you know future for that. And the employer, they they're not stupid. Like they don't think that everyone's going to last forever. Uh, and you're not you know tricking them. Especially in now, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So just be upfront mm-hmm. about it. You know, like I, again, I've done a few. I mean, one of the businesses I worked at recently um, was bought by um, five people within their business. Like the the C, he's he and the the founder of it. Uh, was retained as the CEO. Like you don't hear of moves like that. But again, if you, if you're, you know, thinking entrepreneurially or you're and, and just not satisfied with the money that you're getting, just know that like the crushing weight that you feel about uh, with the event industry being this kind of like no one's paying attention to it. Everyone's making people work really hard. The flip side of it is there's no real real rules either. So, you know, like it, it can break you, but you can also break the rules. Mm-hmm. Mm. I love that. Is there any other thoughts in regards? I love that we always, every episode, we're like, we're going to do a little, we need to do another episode or like we segue into this. But is there anything else we want to just like share in regards to salary and money in this industry and getting compensated? I kind of want to try to get more data and talk more about this too. Because like we're obviously pulling this from like one single article that pulls from a couple different sources. But, you know, like I'm even looking at this, I'm like, man, there's so much more data we can go through Mm -hmm. and talk about for sure. Like I had a salary. A lot of my friends have salaries in the events industry. I don't even I don't draw a salary now. I'm not a, I'm not I don't have the corporate structure that it makes a lot of sense to do that. Like I get paid by retainers. It's just a different animal. I'm such a low overhead, such, you know, small idea as a consultant. Um, so like I don't you know, I honestly think that my, my take is always just figure out your own way to do it if you're not satisfied with something and don't don't take what is offered but that said you're not entitled to anything at all mm-hmm. you're entitled to one something that one that somebody who has been in the industry to one to three years can accomplish right that's all you're entitled to beyond that um get excited by the 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 idea that in my opinion that the uh, opportunities are pretty limitless 
Awesome. Well, thank you three for providing your, your insight and your feedback on this, on this topic. And let's wrap it up for today's episode on that money. So thank you so much to the event brew band for listening. And thank you to the amazing brew crew for just rolling with just topics that Woo-hoo. we are all like just interested in, or maybe a couple of us. And I just love that dynamic between us and that synergy where we can just say, here's something that interests me uh no idea what but let's talk about it and just that's the whole point of this event brew is being able to have these honest candid conversations and that people might be talking about but you know we we, it's really nice to have that voice and so what do you guys think go to eventbrew.com there's our show notes in there there's links to all those articles and resources that we've shared on this and all episodes uh transcripts all links to subscribe you can rate and review us on apple Podcasts, pocket cast google play spotify uh this will help us a ton with finding having other event professionals find us and to engage and get into those conversations as well we do want to hear from you and we love hearing from you we post have- your salary yeah oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> can you New imagine course. everyone if everyone just started doing that uh so yeah go, <laughs> if, if you share yours i'll share mine uh, eventsalary.com we should just buy it as an anonymous place to uh anyone I, back in my days I, i've quit buying urls just out of dumb ideas anymore but if somebody else still in that market buy eventsalary.com take it as an anonymous place and you know <laughs> turn it into a survey It'd be fun Oh gosh! Well, if you want to go in with Nick on on that business and, and increase your salary, or like <laughs> get a little money there here and there, I'll sell ad revenue for it. No problem. <laughs> Doesn't Glass? Isn't that what Glassdoor does? It totally does. Yeah, I'm just yeah. Like, trying to turn a niche into it, so I can <laughs> so I can get niche advertisers. We actually have the sidebar, Nick. I, I had that's a brilliant idea. I want to share with you, but we're gonna take it off air. And other than that, just let us know. Contact us at eventbrew at helloendless.com. And like always, we're so grateful and appreciative that you listen to us and we wanna to listen to you. So until next episode, everyone, thank you so much, Brew Crew. Thanks again for listening to Event Brew. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head to eventbrew.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. See you next time on Event Brew.